Will the next big trend be even worse than the selfie? Answer me this, answer me this. Is relentless self-portraiture profoundly unhealthy? Answer me this, answer me this. Since we're coming up to Easter, Helen inadvertently provided you with a special little Easter egg of her own last week uh, (laughs) by accidentally uploading an hour-long episode unedited of the show. I was really tired. Uh, I've been working really hard and obviously I'm allergic to that state. Uh, Which, it was only up for an hour, but apparently around 2,000 of you did get hold of this uh, this precious, unedited version of Answer Me This. Now, don't go acting like this is an incredible bit of bonus answer me this because yeah. all that's going to happen is the bits that we couldn't fit into last episode because it was already too long yeah you're going to get them again that's so basically it you're just wasting your own time this week so if if you uh notice that parts of this week's show sound strangely familiar uh that's because uh, some of you will have heard them by mistake last <sighs> week for which i'm we sorry apologize. i'm surprised it hasn't happened before to be honest exactly. in 285 episodes i think you, you do, yeah one one in 285 times you're allowed to do that and i promise it won't happen again because i'm never going to work hard again um, there we go. <laughs> uh, uh, but but for those of you who do like hearing even more of us than we mm-hmm. supply you on a fortnightly basis legitimate way to do that uh, <laughs> very excitingly is uh we've got a show on radio Radio 4. All about podcasting. That's right. It is the 10th anniversary of the word podcast being coined. Yes. Um, and to celebrate, uh, Helen and I have presented a two-part documentary on Radio 4 uh, called Podcasting the First 10 Years. Uh, it's on at 11am on Radio 4 on Friday the 4th and Friday the 11th of April and on BBC iPlayer shortly thereafter. Yes. And within that, we speak to basically all the podcasters you'd want to hear from. So Mark Maron's yeah, in there. Except for Ira Glass, who didn't want to be on it. Yeah, and Ricky Gervais. <laughs> um, but, but all the other ones. All the, other, all the other ones. Mark Maron's in there. I was very intimidated by the prospect of speaking to Mark Maron because, you know, he's done 400 odd mm. interviews mm. and is really good at them. Mm. It's very nice to me. I'm sure he was saying the same thing to Joan Rivers and Patrick Stewart that week. He so was I've like, oh, God, I've got to talk to Helen Zaltzman. My God, pod queen. Oh, um, I'm going to really have to sharpen up my bants. Uh, I spoke to the Night Vale guys, Roman Mars. Who is the Thorn? And also Richard Herring. Uh, mm. British pod star yes uh, and indeed uh, if you like hearing us talk to Richard Herring there's not just our Radio 4 show podcasting the first 10 years which is on yep. but also we are on Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre podcast and if you're thinking you guys I thought there was bad blood between you and Richard Herring from things that happened years ago don't worry we talk about it all in the show <laughs> <laughs> everything all the dirty laundry it's is weirdly it. like family therapy yeah Chris in Mansfield Helen Ollie and Martin and Sandman answer me this What's the best way to get rid of garlic breath? Tried everything and I still stink. Well, I'm afraid the uh, most obvious answer is, as always, the simplest and the one you don't want to hear, which is don't don't eat garlic. Sorry, Helen, but all the evidence would suggest if you smell of garlic, don't eat it. I've got a better solution. Go on. Date someone who already smells of garlic. Yeah, not bad. But he's not talking about dating. He might be worried about stinking out someone who's sitting next to him at the cinema. Who cares about those guys? I've heard various uh, folk remedies. They all seem to revolve around things like parsley. Parsley is is a good one. A lot of herbs apparently um, help neutralise the odour. Fresh mint? Would that that work? Yeah, mint, basil, coriander, or cilantro for our American brethren. Uh, Thyme, Is there any truth in mustard? I saw online um, and I just thought someone's written this article as a joke. Yeah. They? Swill round your mouth, a lump of mustard. And then you'll puke your guts out exactly. and there won't be any garlic in there anymore. I don't know, well, presumably you just smell of mustard instead. <laughs> chew on the mouthful of jira. Yeah, well, no, apparently if you do chew fennel or cardamom or cloves and, or anise seeds as well, then. But those are quite controversial tastes in themselves. Uh, so you can drink milk because that apparently neutralises a lot of the garlic stench. Yeah, but there's very little that I'll eat with garlic in it and think, you know, 
what will go well with this glass wash, of milk wash it down with milk or green tea or peppermint tea apparently those are the best because the mint you know is a breath freshener anyway but they also have a thing that bonds to the garlic stink and reduces the volatile sulfur compounds and if you're preparing the garlic take out the green bit in the middle because apparently that is the most sulfurous bit in all seriousness can't you just eat less garlic or eat it less concentrated well apparently the problem is only partially the garlic going into your stomach the stench is stuck in your lungs and, uh, yeah, and I don't know how you'd get rid of that. Well, here's another question of stinks from Ben in Northumberland, who says, The perfume that my grandma wears actually makes me feel sick, particularly oh. during car journeys. I try particularly to... during intercourse. Oh, Martin. <laughs> make everyone feel sick. I try to sit as far away from her as possible when we're having meals out. <laughs> <laughs> but that goes down well, doesn't it? I've talked to my immediate family about this, and they all agree that it's not a pleasant scent, but they're not as affected by it as me. So, Ollie, answer me this. What should I do? Have you read George's Marvellous Medicine? (laughs) (laughs) I can't think of a solution to this problem that doesn't involve either an awkward conversation, an awkward Christmas present, or more awkward winding down of car windows in the middle of winter. Mm. Help! P.S. She's an amazing grandma, by the way. Right, so you don't want to hurt her feelings. No, indeed. This is a difficult one because... if someone has bad breath, you can pass around the mints. Yeah. Uh, and you can make it look like that's just for you, not for the person who actually you're targeting with the mints. But when it comes to perfume, you can't really spray around neutralizer or like Glade air freshener in no. the car. And I, I wish I could because I absolutely hate most perfumes. And when someone's on a train, so not even someone I know, blasting the whole train with something, that is very... What are you supposed to do apart well, from just cough until you fall on the on the floor rolling around in front of them turning red to make a point no well i was thinking of you actually when i read this because uh you know i've worked with you for enough years now that i know of this uh dislike you have yes. for a strong scent i am ben in northumberland and grandma is everybody yes you're always commenting that people are wearing fre- like very strong perfume very yeah. strong after and i don't even notice so i think some people are attuned to it and it's not about the specific smell and i think that's the mm. answer it's 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 more the overpoweringness and do you think that grandma's sense of smell maybe is faded yes with the passage of years and that's the problem yes therefore mm. my suggestion ben would be sabotage <laughs> i think <laughs> fill her bottle with piss i think uh this isn't about the perfume itself but the concentration and amount that she's putting on so therefore dilute <gasps> go in the bedroom oh, classy option ollie pipette of water yep one drop of water to every drop of perfume see how that goes to begin yes. with or if she's using the intense perfume you could maybe sneakily replace it with a bottle of eau de toilette of the same where the fragrance <laughs> is less intense oh that's very clever yes mm. because they, that is i mean that's pretty much a marketing trick isn't it but it works in your favor here well here's a question from a listener who famously stinks it's kate in maryland <laughs> oh. no she doesn't uh, she says helen answer me this do people live in old castles how common is that? <laughs> Do these castles have air conditioning added? You don't need it because castles are generally freezing. Yeah, this is... It's hilarious when Americans think they live in castles because a rich person has built a mansion in the style of Sleeping Beauty's castle. Yeah. And actually, they all end up looking like the Playboy Mansion, however sophisticated they think they are. Um, are you saying the Playboy Mansion is not sophisticated? <laughs> I think I am saying that. Oh, um, but you're right. Of course, British castles, less call for air conditioning. Yeah. Uh, more call for a very, very, very expensive heating bill yeah even if you're running the heating all the time it is seeping out from 12th century cracks (laughs) yeah i remember a sommelier telling me that when people are sniffy about putting red wine in a fridge yeah that that's not necessarily wrong um to store it in a fridge although it should be out of the fridge for a few hours before you drink it because room temperature 
you know, room temperature historically in Britain and France is yeah. bloody cold. It's yeah. not what we have now. So actually uh, storing it at room temperature is you, sometimes the fridge is closer to what you have inside, which is a very hot room because of the heating. Oh, so if Kate wants the castle experience at home in Maryland, then she just climbs into the fridge. Yeah, <laughs> oh, suppose that's what I'm saying in a roundabout way. Um, but anyway, people do live in, in castles, don't they? The Queen. Buckingham Palace isn't a castle. Really. She's got castles. Oh, she's got castle. Windsor. Windsor's a castle. Yeah, that's true. But, but she's, she's got her little granny flat in it. Yeah. So even the Queen doesn't really live in a castle, not really. Yeah, there are still a lot of stately piles that are privately owned. It's so hard to make them pay because they're so expensive to run that they usually live in a tiny corner of it. I'm actually astonished how cheap some of them are. I was looking into this online. You can buy a castle in Lancashire Mm -hmm. for (gasps) £370,000. Is it two up, two down? (laughs) Well, that is the same price as a two-bedroom semi in Elstree. Oh, jeez. It has, I think it was 15 bedrooms, a tennis court, a swimming pool. Piddling. Uh, wow. And hundreds of acres, but obviously, I suppose the bit that isn't included is it will cost you three hundred grand a year to run. Uh, probably more. It yeah. probably needs twelve million pounds worth of renovation to make it livable. Does it have wireless internet? Well, I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> and also, probably for the whole fifteen bedrooms, one bathroom. They didn't have on suites in those days. Then. They just pissed out the slot in the wall, didn't yeah. they? <laughs> Basically. On the plus side, you can put an adventure playground in your garden. <laughs> do you think do you think the owners of Hatfield House and uh, and Longleat go out in the middle of the night and uh, just get lost in the maze with a I reckon, bottle of vodka I reckon in Hever they're on the scrambling nets because they've done the maze they probably live in the adventure playground because they can't afford to live in the house anymore do you think they sneakily uh, get themselves an ice cream from the ice cream van as well well you would yeah. given the opportunity I think you would and you'd, you'd, you'd bring dates back and say what velvet rope not for me step right over you can touch that painting if you want I have been to someone's private house where there were velvet ropes and I found it absolutely hilarious. Well, it wasn't open for tourists. No, it was just a massive house. It was pretty modern and there were velvet ropes around. I think just just so that you, as a guest, you always felt low status. Yeah, that's just an ego trip, isn't it? Yeah, an impressive one. They had their own veal herd and they had two gold eagles by the side of the front door on pillars. Wow. But it was just this red brick Did they have a butler? Yep, they had a gamekeeper, the gamekeeper's wife. Everyone was just sort of predicated to make you feel like a shit, though. <laughs> Whereas I think a real butler would make a, a tramp feel like a king. Yes, make you feel very welcome. Yeah. If you've got a question, then email your question. Yeah, to answer me, this podcast, googlemail.com. Huh. Answer me, this podcast, googlemail.com. Here is a question from Katie from London who says, I'm currently doing my last night of cat sitting for my rich, distant uncle. Dreams can come true. He's got a lot of money, but he's very emotionally distant. (laughs) (laughs) Says Katie. He has two very cute, very mischievous kittens. Oh, can you imagine, Ollie? Can, I can. you imagine them all? I'm already there. I'm there, they're in my head, they're playing around, they're frolicking. <laughs> in your head, they burrowed into your skull. <laughs> I uh, want a kitten, by the way. It'll grow into a cat, you don't realise. Well, the problem is, I think Coco is so happy at the moment. Yep. It's her territory, it's her space. I just don't think it's reasonable. Even though we'd get one from a shelter, you know, a cat that needs a home, I can't do that to her because she's an old cat and she's going to be upset, even though we really want the How's Coco? Coco's nine. Oh, she's, she's got ages to go. Isn't that what your parents thought when they considered having a sibling for you? 
Yes, exactly. <laughs> and they were right. I am gloriously happy by myself. I'm the king of the world. <laughs> you, do, you do piss and everything and claw the carpets. Quite right. Well, Katie says from her blissful kitten fest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As I was sitting on the sofa, reading the last few pages of my book, I saw one of the kittens knock over what I presume is a rather expensive vase full of the sort of pointlessly expensive stick things you only get in posh people's houses. That is absolute nonsense, Katie. They sell those sticks in Pound Stretcher. You know, the thing about sticks, you can get them for free. <laughs> from the ground where they have fallen yeah although they're gonna have a scent of dog shit or grass aren't they whereas these are some, some scented with jasmine and licorice and things katie says answer me this do i tidy up this mess while i'm absolutely exhausted and have already hoovered i don't think that the hoovering is going to apply retrospectively to this mm. uh, or do i leave the mess under the assumption they'll presume the kittens did it in the night when you put it like that yes do that one yeah. leave the mess i'm not sure actually oh i mean kitten sitting isn't as serious a business clearly as babysitting mm. Um, because with babysitting, there's no joy for the babysitter. <laughs> Whereas with kitten sitting, you are there partly because you get to play with some kittens. Um, so, you know, it's not such a ruthlessly financial transaction. Uh, but um, but I think if a baby shat itself under your watch when you were babysitting, you you'd do of, something about it. Yeah. Your That's your job. And I'm afraid if a kitten knocks over a vase, I'm afraid part of the kitten sitting process probably is you have to action that. You know, action otherwise, them. otherwise, otherwise, the house could be empty. What What's kind the point of a, a kitten sitter? sitter if you don't action things? Exactly. They're not going to assume that you knocked over the sticks. I would guess. No. Maybe but, that's but you could say about. the kittens knocked it over and I cleared it up. I think that's part of being a kitten sitter. Yeah. Oh, the kittens stole some of your spare cash. <laughs> kittens. <laughs> the kittens drank all your booze. Also, kittens like baby humans like to just put things in their mouths. And oh what yeah. What if they ate the sticks? Or the shards of bars. Exactly. Yeah, you've got to clean it up. Okay, yeah. You've, yeah. you've sold me on this, Ollie. Sorry. Have you been to the cat cafe yet that has recently opened in London? I haven't. Um, I, are you tempted? N- no, because um, it, it's an enclosed room, isn't it? So the cats don't run away. And I think an enclosed room that smells of cats and coffee shop is probably going to be a bit rank, actually. And other cat weirdos like you. Yeah, but I think the idea is really nice. Are the cats not a bit like escorts? You know, because they're just there to make anyone who's paid to visit them... <laughs> feel like they are the one how many times a day does someone walk into the cat cafe and go hey i'm just here for the pussy <laughs> and, <laughs> they're so bored of that yeah <laughs> and they've only been open a few weeks <laughs> i know that my baby is the absolute best i put facebook photos up daily and my friends are impressed apart from ones who block me because they're jealous because their babies are so ugly. Well, why not build a gallery of your kid on Squarespace with special pages for its cute feet and cute hands and cute face so my Facebook feed won't have your kid all over the place. He looks like a scrotum. Big thanks to Squarespace for sponsoring today's episode of Answer Me This. And if you want to experiment with Squarespace, there's and a... And why t- wouldn't you want to, to design yourself a beautiful website that works on mobile and the uh, the uh, desktop internet? Well, I don't know, Ollie. I can't get myself into the heads of these idiots that wouldn't want that. Yeah. But if you do, and if you've used your two-week free trial and you think, oh, I like this, I mm. want a year of it with 10% <laughs> off, then use the code ANSWER3 to get exactly that. Well, how apt. Here is a question of web design. It is from Jacob from Suffolk, who says... As a way of making money as a teenager, uh, I run a small web design business. Oh, beats a paper round. It certainly does. Uh, I made a website for a client, continues Jacob, and he refuses to pay me. <sighs> uh, I realise I could have taken many preventative measures that would have stopped this from happening in the first place, like asking for payment before yeah, doing the site, presumably. Watertight contracts. Uh, but I didn't. Uh, so, Helen, answer me this. What can I do? 
to get my money. Here are some more details. He's only owed £250. I say only. I mean, I'm saying only from an, from an adult well, perspective. I, would, I wouldn't quite a lot, turn my it? nose up at it. I wouldn't, yeah. but I'm not sure I'd go to court over £250. That's, that's 20 minutes work. Uh, he says, uh, I worked on the website for most of a month. Oh, 250 quid for most of a month. Jacob, you are running this business wrong. Yeah, yeah, that's a very cheap rate. Or preparing yourself for a career in radio. Uh, he says, I didn't use any precaution because I didn't have any trouble with my other clients. Head with a condom. Because I'm a teenager, he doesn't take me seriously. I can understand yes. why now this problem has arisen. Mm. Uh, and then he says uh, two details I think we didn't need, but I think just uh, to flesh out the story are helpful. Uh, the client's name is David. David, pay oh. up right Shame on now. you, David. <laughs> uh, and the second thing he says is, I don't want to involve my parents. Oh, so he doesn't want us to say, why don't you ask your mummy and daddy to, to go around to David's house yeah. and say, please, please give Jacob his money because he's very aroused so he won't leave his room. Uh, I assume that's not what they want. I think you, you have to concentrate on what about you as a teenager he is taking advantage of and counterbalance it. You need to send him a letter written in legalese mm. saying very briefly, if you don't pay me the sum of £250 by the, a specific date that's about two weeks hence, then I will be launching legal action. That will probably be enough. Yeah, I agree, actually. I think um, as well that when teenagers get into situations like this, because it is exciting... You know, I mean, that's the thing. Jacob's written to us because this is an interesting story in but a way. what is exciting, Ollie? Well, it I, seems not exciting and it also seems sad. No, I disagree. I think when you have a first experience in business, it's exciting. Oh, brilliant. Someone's trying to rip me off. Yay! Yeah, no, exciting. But, no, seriously. Yeah, no, I think... Because it's adult. Is that yes, what... Yes, right, yes. I think Jacob's concern. quite excited that he's having this problem. Isn't it interesting, <sighs> this problem I'm having? And I think sometimes uh, when young people in business try and counteract that they sort of overreact. I can imagine the letter being too wordy. Yes. Too like, if you do this, I'm going to go on YouTube and I'm going to yeah. do this and this. You know, to the guy who's not giving you the 250 quid, it's yeah. probably not a big deal, this. You just want to keep it to the point. You don't want to say to him, I need you to pay me because I did this work yeah, for you. Yeah, exactly. All the extraneous detail gone. And you don't want to put too much emotion in. No, you no it, emotion. That's what I mean. It's a business transaction. Anger. Don't, don't put all of these little jokes in that you've put in your letter to us. Keep it straightforward, you know. I want my money. Yeah. Maybe bitch. Hashtag knee break. Also, if uh, David does have a Twitter account, go on there and just say, I recently did some work for at David mm. and he has proven stubborn at paying because businesses hate public shaming. Also, if it is a web design issue, is, is there not some back end to the website you could block him using? Yeah, good or, point. Or, or is, it, is it, Jacob, that he didn't actually like the work you did for him, in yeah. which case this is a bit more complicated, isn't well, it? And maybe well, there's a reason why he's not well, paying. Well, I'm curious why he's not paying. Is it because he's just taken advantage? If he didn't like the work, he should pay you a nominal fee for having done it. Well, indeed, if the fee was arranged. Assuming you've upheld your side of the bargain, Jacob, which I'm assuming is not enshrined in writing because otherwise you wouldn't necessarily be in this mess, then you should get the money even if he doesn't like it but yes maybe you should change the front page of the website to david is a tight-fisted asshole yeah which doesn't really make sense actually when you put those two expressions together but does <laughs> does the trick yeah um i think also it's important when arranging this work that you do it via email so that there is a written trail over the phone that's when problems are oh, so you don't have yeah. the proof plenty of lessons for the future aren't there jacob i think he acknowledges as much himself in his email to us i mean ideally you should be looking at a 30 30 40 deposit scheme here shouldn't you he should give mm. you money up front then yeah. a bit in the middle and then more at the end yeah money on delivery the, yes. and then money on publication or something and, th and that therefore even if he was unhappy with the finished product you've been paid a bit for the work you've done yeah uh, even if you've done a bad job frankly yeah uh, you, you've got 70 percent of the money exactly god kids these days have so many more problems than we had <laughs> 
I had a business card when I was a teenager. You, of course you did, oh, you twat. Yeah. <laughs> you tiny Patrick Bateman. I, I always forget you're like Rushmore, Ollie. Uh, yeah, I was like Rushmore without the handjob. I, at my uh, Leavers Ball, gave out my business cards to people. Ladies, yeah. hello. And did you get any snogs out of it? Um, Here's my fax number. Yeah. All I really remember is there was one guy who, uh, he, he was a real drama queen, and he'd, he'd fallen on the floor because he was drunk and he was rolling around on the floor saying, oh, my ribs, my ribs, I've smashed my ribs. <laughs> and even the teachers were pointing at him laughing. And you said, here's my card. Yep. Put a business card <laughs> in his top pocket. <laughs> <laughs> Left him to ride. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. Did you have a good time at your leavers ball? Um, yes. Yes, I did. Although I, even at the age of 16, 17 and 18, because we had three consecutive leavers balls. Just leave already. Um, <laughs> we could not get rid of you. Uh, even at that age, I found it less amusing than everyone else to be surrounded by drunk peers oh yeah i'm never as drunk as the other people around me yeah and i've always thought stop being so stupid stop giggling in my ear even the people that are like flirting with me and throwing themselves yeah. at me i don't even like that i'm just like just can you just be a be a proper show adult, me please? genuine affection yeah. yeah terrible people yeah no i agree the things i remember from the leavers ball are mr lacy the history and careers teacher dancing hilarious mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the rest is just people puking and crying and uh, ill-advised uh, sexual partnerships for the evening only. I like that side of things. I mean, the, the puking and crying, obviously, I didn't have any sexual partners. Well, I mean, ideally, you like to combine all three. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you the intermission. This week, brought to you by Answer Me This, episode 91. Available from Answer Me This store. Thomas has written in on the subject of embarrassing surnames that Ian Digweed brought up. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, He says, I must point out that my stepmother's maiden surname was Bastard. (laughs) We have a winner. (laughs) I bet she couldn't get married quick enough, could she? (laughs) Every date she went on. Do you you have a special question you'd like to ask me? Is there something that you want to ask me? And your surname's not Shitpile, is it, please? (laughs) Great. Listeners, we do so enjoy hearing your questions on the phone line. We do so enjoy it. Lashings of ginger beer. Charming, charming. (laughs) So please do leave them by calling the following number. 020823-5877. Or Skyping answer me this. And let's hear who's been in touch. Hi, Helen Ollie. Hi. Uh, This is Oliver from Leeds, currently at the Leeds Beer Festival. Uh, we've been discussing Oktoberfest. Apparently it's not in October. Um, is this true? And if so, why not? Um, answer me that. Answer me, th- answer me that. Yeah. Well, Oktoberfest is in October in that the last day of the festival is always on the first Sunday of October. Uh, uh-huh. So it's more true to say that Oktoberfest runs into October. So it's more like preemptive Oktoberfest, but that name is a bit long, even with German word building. What about Septemberfest? <laughs> the reason it's not Septemberfest is its origins were in an event that happened in October. So it would be perverse <sighs> to, uh, to... The important part of Oktoberfest uh, is, in fact, uh, October the 12th is the event that they're commemorating annually. Right, OK. Um, it's just that for weather reasons, uh-huh. uh, they brought it forward. I was uh. wondering whether also Oktoberfest has uh, swelled as an occasion and therefore has spilled into September from October. Well, certainly. I, I mean, so, so the, the origins of Oktoberfest are uh, that uh, it was originally a celebration for uh, Prince Ludwig marrying Princess Therese. What a day! Uh, on October the 12th, 1810. <laughs> uh, and oh, uh, right. for that, they did the... 
1810 in Munich equivalent of Rolf Harris introducing Gary Barlow on stage at Buckingham Palace. Right, uh, okay. they, had, they had a big event and there were some horses and there was some alcohol. Uh, and, <laughs> Classic. Uh, some things don't change much. That's right. And they all said, wunderbar, let's repeat this next year. Yes. Um, Do you think they had an absolutely massive bicentennial Oktoberfest in 2010? Probably. Yeah. They should have. Everyone in the country got to kiss Heidi Klum. <laughs> Um, so it was such a popular event this in 1810 that the following year they had another party to honour the princess mm-hmm. uh, and uh, well, it, not not the prince well it was the crown princess of Munich so oh, you know okay. she was the local girl oh so he was just on a bit of rough that she got hitched to yeah the equivalent of that little village that um, Kate Middleton comes from what's it called Bunbury or something and it's every year it's in the news because they do something around the royals right anyway then yeah, when it became an established tradition Oktoberfest and obviously suddenly became commercialised rather mm. than just something the city was doing for a laugh uh, it was uh, felt that if it was moved ahead to September, more people would come because of the better weather conditions in Munich in September. Surely, though, it's time to rename it, therefore. No, I'm sure it... some, some places have them in May. Oh, yeah. Well, internationally, indeed. It's a brand, isn't yeah. it, really? Oktoberfest. Yeah. Everyone knows what it means. It means getting drunk and eating sausages. And also now Halloween in Britain seems to be two weeks long. It seems to be on, the weekend yeah. before and the weekend after. People can get dressed up in costumes and get pissed. Because in Britain, it's not for the kids trick-or-treating. It's for adults who want to publicly booze. Also, there's more people alive at any time, so there must be more people dead than at any time. So there are a lot more ghosts and they can't all fit in the one no, day. No, that good makes point, perfect good point. sense, yeah. Thanks Science, for rationalising it. Now I hate science. Halloween less, but uh, I still hate it. Yeah. Easter eggs as well, I suppose. You know, the festival of eating yeah. Easter eggs that goes on for, I mean, pretty much all year. So anyway, lots of examples, all of which point me to say, yeah. why don't they do this with Glastonbury? I know it's around the summer solstice. Yeah. Why don't they have a commemorative event for the summer solstice and yeah. then have Glastonbury Festival in August when the weather's nice instead of June when it usually pisses with rain? No, but sometimes it's baking hot. It's either sometimes, muddy or baking. But it usually pisses with rain. I think it's probably for arable reasons. Mm. August, you're getting close to the harvest. Well... Although I'm just saying, farm, if it was it? in August, I'd be happy again. I, I, I think it would disrupt the cows too much. We went to the Bavarian-themed town of Helen in Georgia Did in the US. Did you go there just because it was called Helen? Yes, yeah. and also because it's a Bavarian-themed town and I love those. Uh-huh. Um, but I've never been to Bavaria, which is themed after itself. Um, <laughs> and I saw a poster for German Mardi Gras. Which first That's I a, <laughs> like a fusion restaurant of yeah, events. Yeah, it's called Mardi Gras, a French term, and it was on a Saturday, even though Mardi means Tuesday. Yeah. And it was I in didn't the know wrong Mardi month. Meant Tuesday. That's yeah, interesting. Fat Tuesday. Fat Tuesday. But the mm. a, a traditional Mardi Gras then is always on a Tuesday. Well, it? it's it's Shrove Tuesday in Britain, so we get Pancake Day, and in say Italy they get magnificent parades. Oh, oh. God, we get cheated, don't we? <laughs> I do like pancakes though. Um, I I find it astonishing that there isn't a brand of beer called Oktoberfest, which is sold internationally. I can't imagine anyone holds the copyright for it, really. I imagine it is the kind of thing that Germans get protective about, you know, Mm. like champagne has to come from the champagne region of France. Mm. Uh, Probably, technically, an Oktoberfest beer has to be, you know, it has to be more than 6% volume or whatever it is. But really... If Guinness had a brand called Oktoberfest, I mean, that would be a guaranteed seller around the world, wouldn't it? And then through October, you could do promotions here in the UK like mm-hmm. they did with St. Patrick's Day. I mean, why doesn't someone do that commercially? Well, you could do it. It's a missed opportunity. Well, I can't now. I've just given the idea away. Yeah, but you're, you're always giving your brilliant ideas away. And then do I see them happen? No, no. because you're the only one capable of making them happen. <laughs> one day, one day I'll have that. What's that suitcase you sit on that was on Dragon's Den? Trunky. Trunky. Yeah. One day I'll have my trunky. You know, whenever I see a trunky, I think, ah, yeah, the little guy's one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What characterises Oktoberfest apart from beer swilling? 
Anything? Uh, uh, German music, mm -hmm. German traditional, Accordions. silly outfits okay. with dungarees, sausage, or sausage, anything? yeah, 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 okay. and not just sausage, but like um, you know schnitzel of the oh, pork okay. and the veal variety. So just German, 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 German stuff. Yeah, right. serving wenches. I assume so. Yes. I know that's a bit outdated. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it is outdated. It's a traditional festival. I mean, it's a bit like saying Morris men are outdated. No, they're not. If you have an English traditional folk festival, that's yeah. what you'd expect to see. That's what Oktoberfest is in Germany. Someone getting slapped with a bladder. Hi, Helen and Ollie. Hello, Hello again. It's Oliver at the Leeds Beer Festival again. Um, I've just been informed that Panama hats don't come from Panama. Seriously, what the shit? I, I don't know what to believe anymore. Oliver is having such a thought-provoking time today, isn't he? He really is. You'd almost think the effects of alcohol were to overstimulate the brain and make you think that trivial thoughts were somehow more important than they actually are. I would have thought from this evidence alone that the effects of alcohol were to make the brain very inquisitive about <laughs> all sorts of matters. Well, Oliver's right. What the shit indeed. Panama hats did not originate in Panama. They just became famed by being distributed from Panama. Right. They started out in Ecuador, but there weren't that many hat buyers passing through Ecuador. So the hat makers sent them to Panama, which was a, a major transport hub. And thus everyone was like, hey, look at my cool Panama hat that I got in Panama. Yeah. And all the Ecuadorian hat makers going, why are you as an Ecuadorian hat? Yeah. But the name is stuck. Poor it's evocative of the place. It just feels right. It's like a Hawaiian shirt. I guess I mean, so. Hawaiian shirts, I'm sure, are from Hawaii. Yeah. But you could buy one in London. It would still be a Hawaiian shirt. Yeah, all sorts of goods that, you know, look like... Tom also... looks Scottish, doesn't it? Even if it's from another country. Yeah. Well, for instance, in a lot of the uh, Native American trading posts, mm. the goods are shipped in from Pakistan yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's too expensive to buy the real ones. I find that weird when you're in the States, actually, that, you know, they're trying to find ways, and not anymore because a lot of them have successful uh, gambling businesses, but they were trying Woo! to find ways for the Native Americans to support themselves on reservations. Yes, yet, on, on the tiny and infertile reservations. Uh, and yet they open souvenir shops where clearly the mugs are made in China. You just think, well, why don't they make mugs? That's something yeah. for them to do, isn't it? They do sell a lot of things that are genuine, but yes. they're about a hundred times more than anyone yeah, can yeah. really afford to pay for a rug or a piece of pottery. I feel a bit mixed up about it, really, because I'd love to have that, like a Navajo rug or something like, like that. I think they're really beautiful and mm. the pottery is really beautiful, but also I don't want to be one of those people that has a Navajo rug in their house. Yes, I think yeah. there's people are bellends. Well, no, I think people <laughs> with dream catchers are bellends. <laughs> uh, people with Navajo rugs are worldly. Oh, really? Okay. I think so. Well, they just need a rug. And they like the style. I bet everyone who is just worldly and not a bellender, though, puts their hand in the Navajo rug as a bedspread only in the spare bedroom. That's where it ends up. Okay. It's on the sofa downstairs for a few months after you've come back from America. Then it goes on the spare bed. Mm -hmm. It's never a feature that you, you every day think, I want this as part of my life. I do kind of envy people, though, that have a house full of artefacts. They, they oh, yeah, I picked that up on my travels. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. picked that up uh, in a Borneo. souk in Morocco. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and it's next to my real Japanese thing that I picked up in real Japan. Well, and, and the thing is, that is authentic, even if the products were all made in China. That's not really the point, is it? There are certain products mm. that are sold in parts of the world because they appeal to people's tastes from there. So there's still relevance in saying that this was from Mexico. There's something weirdly colonial about that, though, isn't it? It's a bit like a, being a big game hunter, to be like, I've travelled the world and I've bought the most expensive things in every place I've been to. Kind of, but it's also, I mean, you like looking at pictures of your holiday to remind you of positive things, and it just, you know, it reminds you that, oh, I, I went to China because I've got this chopstick or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I don't know, I don't think that's weird. The, the Panama hat thing, though. Yeah. What I think is odd about that, and again, Ollie's brand consultancy. Okay. Here. Stetson. Yeah. Country music. Yeah. Uh... Dick Tracy's hat, whatever kind of hat that is. Fedora? Maybe? Dick Tracy. Yeah. Panama. Yeah. Only character I can think of in popular fiction, 
and I could be wrong, you could be about to tell mm. me someone who's really famous who wears one, is Denham Elliott's character in the Indiana Jones movies. I could not mm. possibly comment. That's not good enough. Oh, well, Poirot wears a Panama hat sometimes, but often it's the Peter Ustinov Poirot. Who... Yeah, but you think of the moustache with Poirot, you don't think of a hat at all. I sort of picture the guy from Our Man in Havana wearing a Panama hat. Now, I could be wrong. I'm sure if I went on the Wikipedia article, there'd be like For... lists of famous people who wear Panama hats. But off the top of my head, I can't think of one, and I think that's a missed opportunity, isn't it? Actually, come to think of it, there's some great hats in Indiana Jones. Really? Just period, aren't there? I mean, Indiana Jones's mm-hmm. hat is incredible, that cowboy-type hat. And then there's the one who wears the fez. That's, that That's is, three great hats in the Indiana Jones movies. Hat the the, hipsters are going to try and bring the fez back at some point. They? They They've yeah, already had a go on have. the top hat and the bowler. <laughs> Maybe a tiny, tiny fez. I look forward to the day that Ant and Deck unironically are wearing fezes, though. <laughs> bring it back. Not since Tommy Cooper has it been on primetime Saturday night TV. Helen, Oliver... Though life is full of questions, there are answers you must know. One. No, it will not fall off, but moderation in all things too. Yes, there probably is, but we won't find out in our lifetimes. Three. Most people prefer colliery, but my personal favourite is Dalton Four. If you try and slip a one, it would ruin your friendship. Yes. Here's a question from Greg who says, When you see a sign on the motorway or on the way into a town, it will say London 50. But, Helen, answer me this, where is that measured from? Who decides where the direct centre of a town or city is and who measures it and what is the exact centre of London? The exact centre of London? Well, what, what criteria... Are you trying to measure there? Are you trying to find geographical centre or emotional centre? Or, or grammatical, it would be between N and D, wouldn't it? Population. Population? Yeah, population-weighted centre. Oh, I see, yeah. Well, that, oh, now area? as a statistician, what would that be? Just it's off probably the top of somewhere in city London, I would have thought. I mean, the city of London's got a very small population, but if you worked out the centroid, it's probably there. It's probably all the people taking pictures outside Buckingham Palace. That always seems to be where the most people are. Well, this is the thing. I think if you ask most people for a central London landmark, they would probably come up with somewhere in the West End. Yeah, but the name, the name is a clue there. It's the yeah. West End. Mm. Or they'd come up with Westminster again. West! Name is a clue. So yeah. I was told as a kid that for most towns, the distance is measured to the town hall. Is that right? I think it's usually uh, quite a tacit decision on a case-by-case basis, Martin. Oh. I, I would guess in old towns where there's a square in the centre of the town with a crucifix in the middle or something. Yeah, it's the market that's square, the point. isn't it? But then in Telford, where you grew up, Martin, a new town... What are they going to measure from? The front door of PC World? I think it'd probably be that frog that blows bubbles. But according to the AA, who of course have to supply a lot of this data, they say we've historically chosen the town centre as being the strategic point where the major feeder roads converge, which was almost invariably in the centre. However, as town centres are now often pedestrianised and mm. served by ring roads and bypasses, <laughs> stay with me, yeah. the criteria become slightly more vague. We can only generate a mileage to a point that is on a fully accessible road. So I think they just have to go for the convergence of roads that is nearest the centre of the town, but not the pedestrianised precinct or Westfield or whatever. Blimey. So in London, where is it? Well, historically in London, Ollie, it was Charing Cross, but the original Charing Cross, which is actually on the south side of Trafalgar Square, where there is a statue of Charles I on horseback. Mm -hmm. uh, So it's not far from Nelson's Column. Nelson's Column would be quite a good uh, unit of measurement, wouldn't it? Good landmark as well, I can say Actually, if you're in a car, you can't actually drive to Nelson's Column. They can't drive right up Good to point. it because it is pedestrianised around it. It's just a guide, isn't it? No one's ever going to go, what I really want to do is drive to the centre of London. 
you want to go to a particular place, you want to go to a shop or a home, and so just hey, know. Well, you say that actually sometimes when I've got my sat nav on me, if I'm mm. driving past a place I've never been to before, I made this mistake with Coventry. Won't do that again. <laughs> oh. I'll think, oh. That's a town I've I've heard of but not visited before. Sent to Coventry, that uh, must mean it's really good. <laughs> so did you go to the cathedral? Uh, no, I went to IKEA for meatballs. That was the best I could do in Coventry. That's never um, in the centre. Uh, no, but exactly. What what I did, not knowing the town, is I said to the satnav, "Take me to the centre of Coventry." Mm. And it usually is quite good, actually, at taking you to a landmark that you think, "Oh yeah, I can see this is a place I would want to hang around." Because sometimes, especially in a foreign country, if you've got satnav with you, you don't really know what the centre would look like until you get to it, and then you're like, "Oh yeah, okay, big." big square or you know shopping center yeah this feels like the right kind of place to park up so it can be quite useful yeah but but as i say not necessarily the place you want to stop and have lunch in london it'd be very difficult to park next to trafalgar square well this is it you're entering a nightmare the the reality is of course in london how many miles away it is from you is is scarcely the point you're often less than a mile away the point is it still might take you an hour yeah Mm. Yeah. so alternative routes would be more useful to know on a sign than uh, than how many miles it would be if you took the slowest route well with google's uh, traffic alerts only a matter of time before the signs are illuminated by that it may be 50 physical miles Mm. but your life miles is actually more like 300 here's a question from isaac who says ollie answer me this what was the first ever pornographic film well, actually, that's quite a complicated question. Oh, no. <laughs> but only because, as we've remarked before, as everyone has remarked before, uh, pornography is always, uh, you know, at the vanguard of developing technology. I mean, is it a What the Butler saw machine? Well, exactly. And define what would constitute a pornographic film. Precisely. Thing- Do you things- have to see penetrative sex or is it just titillation? If it's just titillation, mm. you can go back to the first recorded images. Or a Botticelli painting. Well, exactly. As you- soon as someone... Well, no, but he's saying film. So mm. a What the Butler saw machine, which was essentially a series of saucy yeah. postcards sped up. Yeah. That that would count as a porn film in a way, yeah, wouldn't it? A dirty zoetrope. Um, so I think if you take a very broad definition of pornography, uh, mm. then the answer is uh, 1896, <laughs> uh, the seven-minute-long film that has... Queen a, Victoria's ankles. <laughs> has at least four different names online. Mm. Um, I'll give you them all because I don't know which one is the correct name. Thanks. Uh, Le Coucher de la Marie. It is, of course, French. Of course it is. Dirty is that, old sods. Marriage bed? Uh, bedtime for the Bride is a translation. Right. Um, or The Bride groom's dilemma um <laughs> and then i've also seen it on youtube you can actually watch this film on youtube uh, as after the ball après la balle wow um that's quite different then yeah all different names and in fact après la balle is dated as 1897 it's not actually that surprising that both the titles and the dating are a bit suppressed because the footage was suppressed because it was so risque when is the official release date back in those days anyway if yeah, anything exactly and particularly of this so something it, this would have been essentially thought of as an experimental art house film that couldn't be distributed through conventional means so you'd have only mm. watched it when projector technology was available in someone's home or a gentleman's club so th- you know this could have lasted 30 years really yeah. without anyone really realizing it was available have you watched it i have watched it is it arousing well there's Did only you whack off there, there's only two minutes of it left which even mm. for me is not quite long enough to get with it um and um because the, the, the footage degraded yeah. over time so five minutes have been lost uh, what it is is it's uh, two women mm-hmm. so interesting that even Classic. the first porn film was two women no man involved um two women one is a maid uh, who apparently later married the director um, right. and oh. the lady who's stripping off um, is undressed by the maid yep. uh, she gets down to her breeches um, <laughs> yeah it's pretty hot stuff then she steps into a tub then I think she does take her knickers off so yeah. top half is still covered but bottom half you see her bum but is she in a tub? yeah but it, she's standing in a tub that only okay. comes up to her ankles right. 
So you see her bum and then she sort of bends forward slightly and the maid Ooh. pours what looks like coal over her, but I think it's supposed to be water, hot water to wash her. Right, but it looks like lumps of coal. The shutter speeds were different in those Well, days. exactly. It was obviously some sort of like Ribena coloured liquid so you could see it on screen, I guess. I see. So essentially, it's it's the old thing of, of watching a bum in the rain. It's that. Bum in the rain. <laughs> That's so French, isn't um, it? Yeah. Debussy would have written that as a piece of music. Uh, but what's quite nice, actually, is she's... Um, I, I wouldn't describe her as fat, but she's quite curvy. She's quite yeah. rotund, the lady. Um, and certainly not... Certainly the, the uh, conventions of pornography of a certain type of lady being appropriate for the pornographic form had not yet been uh, She doesn't have plastic tits, does she? She certainly doesn't. She's got a quite wibbly round bum. Oh. Um, so it's quite nice to see. And obviously what's weird is it's, it's so unpornographic by today's standards that it's allowed to be hosted on YouTube. I mean, it's not even listed as erotic content. I mean, it's PG, really. Yeah. I mean, you're looking at a bum. but so, Someone's mooning. Yeah, basically someone's mooning, yeah. Mm. Um, so that's, that's... The official answer is that. Right. But then I think, really, if, if you take pornography as it means now and pornographic film as it means now, I think you're really asking when was the first close-up of penetrative sex because okay. I think that's really what defines a pornographic film now. Um, and I know you can argue over softcore, hardcore and everything and else. And arty stuff. Exactly. But yeah. I think really that's the question. Uh, and therefore, obviously, you get a different answer. Um, and the answer is is either the satire, uh, mm-hmm. which is a film that may have been filmed in Argentina at the turn of the century, or may have been filmed in Cuba in the 1930s. Wow, so still early. It's still early, but no one knows because it was suppressed and quieted. Mm. Uh, but it's in black and white, obviously. And it's about, um, I believe, two ladies that are having a, a, a swim. And uh, right. a horned devil comes up and uh, does the business with them. Oh. Um, so it's either that, or, or again, if you could say, well, is that pornography? Is that just a scene in an arty film? The stuff that is definitely porn and only designed for arousal mm. is the stuff that was coming out of uh, Denmark and the Netherlands in the 60s. Okay. And I never knew why, because, uh, you know, in our lifetimes, most of the porn that I've seen has been American. Mm. I never knew why it was a cliche that you have, like, Swedish porn. Uh-huh. You know, because whenever people pastiched porn in the 70s and 80s in comedy shows, they'd always put on a stupid Swedish accent, do stuff in the sauna. Yeah. I never knew why that was. And it's because uh, Denmark and the Netherlands were the first countries to legalise pornography, uh, legalise the making of hardcore pornography. Right, and so, people don't see the distinction between Denmark and the Netherlands and Sweden. No, well, Americans don't, no. Okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, so the, the first porn that a lot of people saw was mm-hmm. stuff that was made in Denmark and the Netherlands legally and then exported through underhand means and ended up in peep show booths and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's hard to uh, pick a classic title from the 1960s, obviously, because, again, they weren't being made out in the open, really. Yeah. Um, but there, was, uh, there were thousands of them at that point. So I guess the, the answer to the question is, when the first porn films as we know them now, 1960s, when the first time penetrative sex, probably 1930s, when the first vaguely titillating, vaguely pornographic film, 1896. Was it real penetration though with the satire yeah believe so yeah but but i haven't seen it because um it's not on the internet as far as i can tell too too racy i think you can download it from the bfi but you have to pay (laughs) (laughs) i don't pay for my color pornography i'm not going to pay for something in black and white you sure it's not on red tube or anything (laughs) i couldn't find it sort of bestiality that isn't it mythical bestiality yeah i suppose uh, but I, I suppose that, as always with pornography, that's the cloak of artiness, isn't it? Mm. If you're doing mythology, then it's kind of like, oh yeah, we're making a statement. We're not just showing sex. I guess it's a get out of jail free card for someone who finds it. And with that, let's bring this episode to a climax. Yeah, very good. Uh, but uh, if you want a repeat performance in two weeks time then please send us more questions via email phone or skype all of our contact details are available on our website answermethispodcast.com where you can also find links to follow us on twitter and facebook and and at the moment 
much more importantly uh, go there as well to see the links we'll post them up when the, ep- when the episodes have been out to our Radio 4 show and us on Rich Terring's Left Square Theatre podcast so lots to listen to oh plenty but don't let it stop you sending us questions or coming back for Answer Me This episode 287 in two weeks bye, bye.